Hello and welcome to Bayhem, the Michael Bay Talks from Society retrospective covering the films of Michael Bay. I am your co-host, Marcelo Pico, the editor-in-chief of Talk from Society. And with me, as always, for this series, my other two co-hosts, Mike Schindler. Hey, Mike. Hey, how's it going? Great. And Diego Crespo. Hey, Diego. Hello. I'm happy to be back. Yes. I'm, I'm happy you're here. I'm happy we, we haven't scared you off because this is <laughs> this is a momentous episode. Momentous. It's not really momentous. It's just another episode. <laughs> I think some people would call it momentous, but maybe not for the reasons people usually <laughs> toss that word around. Well, well, surely I think Michael Bay thought in 2001 that it was a momentous occasion uh, uh, for uh, his film Pearl Harbor, which we're discussing on this show. Guys, Pearl Harbor, uh, released uh, May 25th, 2001. We're coming dangerously close to its anniversary. <laughs> um, made for a budget of $140 million dollars. Uh, domestically it made 198 million worldwide it made 449 million dollars fun fact this is the third highest grossing uh, romantic drama after Titanic and Ghost so what about I just, Avatar <laughs> well <laughs> I guess straight drama I mean that's like a sci-fi romance it's like a sci-fi romance action yeah, epic yeah. kind of deal. I don't know. Yeah. I, I read I read that little tidbit off of Wikipedia and I'm like, <laughs> I guess I guess that's a fact. I, I, guess, I, I guess it's a romantic drama. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, it, uh, but, but Ghost is like also like a fantasy movie. Anyway, re- regardless, it made a, a decent amount of money. $449 million worldwide. That's, that's, a, that's a lot. So, and what Michael Bay says in the commentary is a quote-unquote like big budget indie movie. I don't know. I don't know what that means. Um, but yeah, so Pearl Harbor. Let's let's talk about Pearl Harbor. Um, start with you, Mike. I mean, you have seen. Remind me again. Uh, every Michael Bay movie in, in theaters, or almost everyone. Everything except for Bad Boys. Everything except for Bad Boys. But yeah. you saw this. I'm guessing. Yes. You know, op- opening weekend. Yes. I, I saw it. I saw it the the night before it came out. We we I I I did not I was a projectionist at the time, but my theater did not get it. But our sister theater did, so a uh, bunch of us drove all the way out to Elmhurst, Illinois, to see Pearl Harbor at like one o'clock in the morning. Oh, wow. uh, because I mean that's what you do, right? So, um, you guys you guys want to talk about some uh, film print stocks for a minute here? Hell Let's yeah! Do it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm so, excited. <laughs> So, like, basically, like, back in the day, uh, there were, like, two types of film stocks that were used commonly. There was the Fuji stock, which was, like, used for, like, Lord of the Rings and stuff like that, and it looked horrendously bad. And then there there was the Kodak Vision stock, right, which Mm -hmm. was what almost everything was printed on. And, I mean, chances are, if you've seen a print in the past 20 years, it was on Kodak Vision stock, okay? Mm -hmm. So, there was also... Kodak Vision Premier stock. You know, Ooh. Kodak Vision was 2383. This was 2393, right? And this was reserved for only very special movies because the cost was about 10% higher to make these prints, but you could like feel it. Like you, it felt like a thicker stock. And when you watched it, especially like if you had like a, let's say a 2383 trailer, like on a, and then a 2393 movie, like you could 
totally see the difference. Like immediately the picture went from gray to black. It was like the HDR, the Dolby vision of film and the oh, wow. colors were better. And it, it, it just, just the blacks were so rich. It was amazing. And word got out that uh, a select few prints of Pearl Harbor were going to be on 2393 stock and they were going to be distributed seemingly at random to theaters across the country. And we get to uh, the York Theater in Elmhurst and I go up to the booth while, you know, waiting for everything to happen and I, and I start looking at their cans and sure enough, it was on 2393 stock. I was like, oh, my God. So I watched it, and I was like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, to this day, I think, like, th that photography, like, especially at the beginning, it's just, like, absolutely gorgeous. And, you know, John Schwartzman, like, he's amazing. I'll see anything that he does. That's why I've seen those Fifty Shades movies, because he shot those. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, yeah, I thought it looked amazing. Yeah, so that's so visually. I mean, you were blown away by it. Um, but let's let's move beyond that and the actual movie itself, Mike. <laughs> well, <laughs> how, how, how'd you feel beyond like it being an impressive, impressive presentation? Well, I mean, I think that that kind of like it kind of influenced your your thinking. Yeah, yeah. Like I came out of it and I was like, ah, I like that movie. Like I wasn't like over the moon for it or whatever, but I was like that qualifies as a good movie because it looks great and you know some of the stuff at the beginning works it, the structurally it's all messed up and everything like that but i liked it enough that like the following weekend i i, I went all the way to mcclure court in the city to see it up on the you know big thx certified screen and and it, it received a standing ovation at the end of the movie oh, people wow. were clapping Whoa. and uh yeah people really loved that movie and um yeah i mean i guess my my thoughts on it back then were like this this is good this is good my coworker and co-host max was like you are fucking insane <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that it, the, the photography was so good that it made up for the what what was actually going on in those three hours and three minutes. Oh, jeez, three hours, and it just reminded me yeah. how long this movie is. I know, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So let me talk about my first experiences with this movie. All right, uh, I was a fan of this movie um, when I watched it first on DVD. I didn't see it in theaters, and. At, at that point in my life, I had a nice setup at home, had a real big TV, had like a 5.1 surround system, and this was one of those movies that I used to, like, you know, show off my my little setup, and uh, I was a fan of this movie. I was like, this is good. This is fine. <laughs> and it wasn't until later where I realized I had made a huge mistake, and I was like, oh, no, that's, that's just not a good movie. <laughs> Yeah, back then, I was just totally into it. And one, I think one reason why I was like really into it is because the, uh, the uh, DVD I had, I don't think it was the uh, four-disc like mega set, which I sent a picture uh, to, to on, you know, via Twitter DM. I also tweeted it out. I, I, I rented this from my local video store, 
And uh, they had the four disc like Vista, was it the Vista series director's cuts with like a ton of behind the scenes footage and like all those commentaries and yeah the yeah, the the yeah and I saw the director's cut and uh, I think I just had like the special edition like two disc DVD but anyway but no I was I was a fan of like just the 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 behind the scenes stuff and the making of it I was totally into that when I was a kid so. Yeah, I I was a fan of this movie back in the day, but yeah, my thoughts on it have definitely changed since then. And knowing more about Ma- uh, Michael Bay as a as a director, I'm like, what he wanted to do with this, it just kind of blows my mind. <laughs> just hearing him talk about it. <laughs> did did uh, you did you actually get to like open up like the packaging? Like, did you actually get to like look at that set? Like, what was inside that set? No, no. Um, at Vulcan Video, they 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 actually seal up those boxes, so I, I couldn't open up the box and okay, see okay, what was on. inside. And hang on a second, I'll be right back. I okay, I think I think Mike You're- is going to go grab that box set. <laughs> <laughs> Diego, uh, let us go to you as Mike uh, goes and grabs something. Your your thoughts on first seeing this movie? Uh, I was really young. I think I brought it up last time where I said I. I saw this as something else. Now I can't even remember. Um, but I, I watched this when I was relatively young too. I was like 10 or 11 maybe. I, I can't yeah, even yeah. remember at this point. Um, but even for me, someone who like was obviously really into like the explosions and everything, even back then, I could feel something was off. <laughs> like it was – it's just so long. And it's it's about – things it shouldn't be about given the subject matter at least not yeah. the way they play it by the end I'll, I'll give it that i think this movie could have worked without the do little raid yeah it, it I, actually I, needed to work without the do little raid that whole thing is messed up i i totally envy that you had that foresight when you were little i did i remember not having that foresight so oh and mike is back uh, and and he, he he turned his camera on. What 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 do you have, Mike? Well, I mean, these things are important. So I've got the Pearl Harbor set here, and I yep, will that's it. say that this is like the absolute best packaging like ever in the history of DVDs. It uh-huh. like folds out. Oh wow! And it's got like this cool thing. They've got like little like letters here, like with like things, and like the whole thing is supposed to be like what what it was like to get to have like a journal like when you were in the war or something but in here in here there is a thing a note from michael bay oh wow (laughs) of course there is here it is and he says a bunch of stuff but (laughs) at the bottom he says uh what you hold in your hands is designed to look like a soldier's war journal, what our troops would actually carry into battle, to remind themselves of their homes, their families, and what they were fighting for, to satisfy the tastes of cineasts and history buffs alike, our package documents an important moment in this country's growth and illustrates how I and my amazing crew of over 2,000 were able to bring the world to life. And where is the thing? God, somewhere in here, it's it talks about how this is the absolute most comprehensive look at the making of a movie in the history <laughs> of home video. Uh, I can't find it, but it's in here. It says it in here somewhere. It's, it's specifically states that this is the best DVD ever. I will say I I I had a chance to look through a lot of that DVD when I rented it. And I will say I was kind of, um, um, not totally impressed. (laughs) 
because like there's a lot on like disc three. This is like four a four disc set. The the first two discs are dedicated to the movie itself, then the last two discs are behind the scenes stuff. But a lot of what what's on disc three, which is supposed to be like, you know, the the good stuff, it's just a lot of behind the scenes production diaries, like um, uh, videos of them filming. You know, I wanted more like, I wanted to hear, and I heard some of it in the commentary. I wanted to hear more of like Michael Bay's, you know, thought process coming into it. And like him screaming on set is also is always a sight to behold. But there's a lot of that on, this, <laughs> on on the behind the scenes stuff. But no, just more like you know, more on like the, the script process, like his pre production. You don't get a lot of that there. You just see a lot of him just saying, "Yeah, it's just gonna know, be a victory lap." Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, here, here and, it is. Here it is. Sorry, uh, four discs showcase more than sixty new shots in the film and over twelve hours of new special f- features. There's never been anything like it before. <laughs> never, <laughs> never, and then never will be. Um, but now, anyway, the the Lord of the Rings ext- extended DVDs and Blu-rays. Those that that those for me is that that's the set that's like the best of all time. Anyway, I mean, the, I'd, yeah, I'd have to go. Those, I'd have to go with, I mean, T yeah. two. I mean, come on. But. Well, T two. We'll, we'll pick an edition of T two, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. T two's like, got a, got a baller set too. Yeah. Well, I have the ultimate set. I have the extreme edition. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the Blu-ray. So yeah. So and yeah, actually, I, if we're just tossing stuff out really quick, I gotta give the shout out to the Alien Quadrilogy or Anthology. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. That. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. That yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. I mean. Maybe that one in Lord of the Rings is tied for me. Anyway, um, no, Michael Bay. Um, <laughs> it, 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 the set's good, but okay. But the packaging, okay. the packaging is the packaging. The packaging is pretty cool, from what I saw. Yeah. Are we? Are we? Let's be clear. Are we avoiding talking about the actual movie? <laughs> <laughs> because the every, like literally everything about the production itself is admittedly pretty incredible. Well, uh, I, I mean that that's it's it's a very meta DVD like. The packaging is the best part, right? Yes. Um, as like as you were saying, Mike earlier, like you were hypnotized by the visuals. Yeah. And and, and and so was I as a kid. I I was like, yeah, I'm gonna play this loud and on the big screen. Oh yeah. It'll, it'd be cool. Uh, but Diego was smarter than us <laughs> back then. Um, here, okay. Here's my thoughts on it, uh, wrapped up in one scene. Um, oh, and I should mention, did you guys? Because uh, well, Mike had it in his hand, so I, I'm assuming maybe you did, Mike. Did, did you see the the director's cut of this? Uh, yes. For this, yeah. Yep. Okay, yep. so you saw yep. that. Diego, have you seen the director's cut of this? The very first time I saw it, I saw the director's cut. Okay. Okay. Ever, ever since then, I, I have not. But I, okay. I remember things pretty vividly, like when I did, like, yeah. uh, like what, what what was different, but like off the top of my head, I, I couldn't tell you what was. Uh, yeah, so what was there and what so, wasn't. So here's the one moment in the movie that sums it up for me. In the director's cut. And again, the director's cut, um, he adds like maybe two minutes. Yeah, roughly. It's between yeah, yeah. one and two minutes, yeah. Yeah. But the big addition is the is the is the R rating aspects of it. Because yeah. it was it was released as PG thirteen in theaters. And in the commentary, Michael Bay's like, yeah, um, I made this an art cut because I wanted it to be R-rated. Because I've always wanted to do an R-rated movie is what he starts out with. And then he goes, oh, no. So, I mean, it's pretty violent. You know, we, we, we had Saving Private Ryan in mind. And we wanted to have that, you know, much violence, that, 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 the, the extremeness of it. We wanted that in there. 
And then, um, you know, midway through that attack in the middle of the movie, um, there's an explosion and a severed head falls right into frame mm-hmm. for a bit too long. <laughs> like, it was like two seconds. And then on the commentary, um, Janine Bassinger, uh, Michael Bay's um, um, film, w- w- one of his film teachers and also a, a film historian, she asked him in the commentary, uh, Michael, was that severed head in the theatrical cut? <laughs> and Michael Bay goes, no, I added that uh, in, the ex- in, the ex- in the extended version. So, <laughs> that sums it up for me. It's insanely grotesque and there's no reason for it to be there and yet Michael Bay just tosses it in because why not? Let's have a severed head fall directly into frame and land on it just for way too long. I, to, to be fair like I that was I, I mean like I, I like the director's cut better because of that because anytime that there's like a PG-13 war movie it feels sanitized like when I was watching this and it's like there's so much destruction going on and yet you basically see nothing uh, because you know what what I saw was the hand of you know the studio saying like we need to make this a PG-13 if we're going to make any money off of this thing because it cost 140 million bucks (laughs) so like to see that stuff like added back in to me lended a certain amount of like legitimacy to the portrayal of of war you know yeah and I Mm -hmm. I get that and I think I would I I I don't remember seeing the PG-13 version actually I may have only seen the director's cut but I, I can't imagine watching this movie with you know, uh, watching the, the directors, no, watching, sorry. I can't imagine watching the theatrical cuts and getting that same response of like, oh yeah, war is fucking bloody and violence and this is what it is, this is what it should be, you know, this is what we should be watching because it's all terrible. But to the extreme that Michael Bay goes, though, it's a lot. Uh, and and this is like a foreshadowing of what we'll talk about next episode. Oh with, boy. With Bad Boys 2. <laughs> Because he just really goes for it there too, so yeah. So it's it's just the extremeness. It's it's oh, it's it's a lot, and it's a huge reason why I don't think this movie works is because he just he revels in it a bit too, a bit too much in the violence. And every other director who's delved into this, you know, gone extreme like this, I don't think they've enjoyed it as much as Michael Bay did. Clearly, he did. I I mean the thing about it, like. It's very, very well documented that Michael Bay is a huge admirer of James Cameron, right? Yeah, and even it, it, even on the commentary he mentions, yeah, I, I was talking to James at the time, and mm-hmm. yeah, he, he gave me some pointers on, on stuff. So yeah, but he's, he, he's a huge fan of his. I remember seeing, it must have been in some, I, it might have been on that commentary. Does he talk about like the, the one extra there? Yes, okay. yes, yes. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I mean, just like all this stuff. And it, it, you could tell that he was like, oh, this is my Titanic, you know? Exactly. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So yes, we jumped into the the middle of the film. The attack on the Pearl Harbor doesn't happen until an hour and 40 yeah. minutes. Everything before that is the romance is setting up this, this love triangle with uh, Ben Affleck, Josh Hartnett and 
I for, forgive me. Who's Kate the Beckinsale. Kate Beckinsale? Thank you. How dare you? I'm sorry. I'm name. doing this off the top of my head. Her um, Instagram is a masterpiece. <laughs> really? I've, oh. I've yeah. It, oh, it's incredible. Yeah, it's hilarious. Okay. She she has a great sense of humor. People should swipe swipe her up for like rom coms or like action comedies because she's hysterical. Well, she's super cool. You know. Yeah, and, she's. Oh, I I like her a lot. Um, I, I I want her to have like a big flourishing career. And uh, you know, I I I love this cast as crazy as it is. Um, and the Michael cast Bay is incredible in this. Yeah, uh, Michael Bay called this a a big budget indie movie because they put all their money in the special effects, and uh, for the cast, um, apparently the cast just did it. You know, uh, most of them did it for scale because they wanted to be part of this. You know, big project. They were thinking. I'm assuming. You know what Michael Bay thought? Like, hey, this is this is the next Titanic. This is going to be massive. So why not join? You know, uh, Alec Baldwin was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I want to, you know, you know, be this, uh, be this like real life hero. And also, what's his name? John Voight did it for scale, apparently. So yes, yeah, so all these people joined up in this huge production. They got paid less than they usually do. And yeah, that's how this huge cast was amassed. So uh, you know, one. One person who I do like in this, and uh, who uh, I I remember liking back then, when I first saw was Jennifer Garner. So I, I'm I'm happy. Oh yeah, yeah. That she made an appearance in this. So okay, yeah. That first ninety minutes or so of the movie, where it's just a romance. How do you guys feel about that, Diego? <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, I love Ben Affleck. His uh, care, like, well, nobody's character in this is like three dimensional. No one really exists outside of like the necessity of the romance plot to like kind of drive some like semblance of an emotional core. And honestly, I'm, I'm okay with the ideas of these things. I'm okay that it's, it takes an hour and a half for the Pearl Harbor event to, to happen. Cause that's not something that should be glamorized and honestly is way too much in this film. But the, the idea that these people all had lives and like are living uh, with their own like pros and cons, of course, like no, no life is perfect. Nothing's perfect. Uh, I, I like the idea of that, but the movie doesn't spend time actually exploring what these people want outside of what's like predetermined for some sort of sweeping romance plot that ends up not mattering. I like the idea of Pearl Harbor happening and everyone kind of realizing like, oh, none of our problems matter. There's there's a bigger situation that's about to change all of our lives for the worst. Like that's tragic, you know? Um, yeah. And yeah, the, the idea that war can like just destroy everything about uh, people's lives is, is, uh, is, is a good one. The way the movie plays it is not that way at all. <laughs> I, I think it <laughs> thinks it's like cool at some point. Uh, and also I don't know who these people are still. <laughs> And I spent yeah. three hours with them. <laughs> um, yeah, Mike, what about you? Your thoughts on the romance? Well, I mean, it really does feel like, uh, again, like going back to the Titanic thing and everything like that, it feels like he went into this saying, like, it's going to be three hours because that signifies importance, you know? Mm, yeah. And and I feel like a lot of that stuff was added not because it needed to be there, but because they needed to get it up to three hours, 
you know <laughs> which is an insane thing to even think that it's they yeah and that but that's like what people do like i feel like like at, well i mean talking about some lord of the rings i mean the hobbit movies right mm, yeah i mean and like i don't know there's something which i always found to be like really interesting it was like a little thing about like schindler's list where like uh steven's alien like turned in the script and it was like two hours long and Spielberg read it and he's like, this is fine, but there's nothing significant about it. Like you need to let it breathe in order to give it, you know, life and, and make it important. And Zalian went back and like rewrote the whole thing, making it like three hours instead of two hours, but was able to add like all sorts of like texture to it, which was missing. You know, he was going into the mindset of like, movies are structured in a certain way in order to be efficient and with this you not only don't have to be but you you know you shouldn't be and like that's the complete opposite philosophy to me anyway of what i'm assuming was going on here which is like we need to make it three hours long because then people will assume it's significant like schindler's list was you know i mean now i'm trying to in my head compare this to like Titanic. Obviously, Titanic is a better movie. I think we can agree on that, right? Yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh my god, yeah, yeah. But like, I don't know. Just the fact that it just feels so disconnected in that first hour and a half to the events in the middle, and then how the events in the middle, the Pearl Harbor attack, feel disconnected to the last uh, uh, act of the movie. Which that's a whole other thing. That's all. That's that's. I, don't, I, I guess we can talk about that too. The what was it? The Doolittle bombers. The Doolittle do raid. Yeah. If, do, if yeah, I can, the, really quick, I think. Yeah. There's something to be said about historical accuracy, and I was going to say biopic, but this is like not that. This uses a historical backdrop for a fictional story, which is, I think, fine. Like I really loved Dunkirk. Dunkirk is also a much much better movie than. Yeah. This. Yeah, and um, a lot shorter. It's uh, half the length. <laughs> Oh yeah, and it it does feel long, but like you're in the experience, you're in moment to moment with all those people in Dunkirk, you know. Whereas in Pearl Harbor, you spend like years with these people, entire generation almost, and it's like I don't know what I just saw. Um, <laughs> but I guess the point I want to make is that there's something to be said about when you're dealing with literally like a, a national tragedy, even international World War Two is an international tragedy. Like all wars are tragedies. There's no winner in war, you know? I think you have to have some semblance of empathy for what you're portraying and the fact that like they have the Japanese bombers like attack like civilian sites as opposed to the military yeah. stuff that they did actually attack. Yeah. Uh and so it makes Doolittle Raid look like, yeah, we're getting them back just like they got us. It's like, yo, people died. Like innocent people died in yeah. that it's not it's 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 like trying to glorify like oh we had to drop the two nuclear bombs on like hiroshima and nagasaki to get them back and it's like no that was wrong like no good comes from dropping bombs on innocent people or yeah. an, anyone for that matter i guess yeah uh, that, I was, that reading, was gross to me no yeah i was reading some of the historical inaccuracies um about the attack and yeah that's definitely one uh, them attacking the hospital. And yeah, where do you even begin with the inaccuracies? 
Uh, in the commentary uh, with uh, Janine Bassinger, Michael Bay uh, constantly avoids the question tossed at him by Janine, where Janine says, Michael, how much of this is real? <laughs> And and yeah, he just like kind of avoids it and like talks about something else. He's like, well, Cuba Goodings Jr. is you know was a real you know person, and he he got uh, you know a battleship named after him. But yeah, he never really dives into <laughs> the uh, the way that he just um, kind of makes up makes up shit <laughs> in in that middle portion of the movie. So yeah, that's that's one thing I'm also concerned about. Without even having gone into. This, the specific details about how wrong it is. Even before I dove into that, watching the movie on its own, I'm like, yeah, this just doesn't feel right. <laughs> it does not feel like it's 100% accurate because how could it be? Well, I mean, just two things there. First off, going back to the Titanic thing, I think like the difference there is that like Bay was trying to you know build up these characters and everything like that and tell this story like within this you know, historical setting. Whereas I I really feel like Cameron was using the story as a way to showcase the history, you know, like it was, I think very specifically designed as sort of like a vessel to teach people about, you know, what was going on there. And I I mean, obviously (laughs) that's maybe controversial, but I think that like James Cameron is, um, better at making movies than Michael Bay. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think so. I mean, it, 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 be careful, Mike. Be, hot, hot, take, uh, hot take, hot there. take, coming. <laughs> but you know, so so there's that, and but uh, also like I just think that yeah, I, the, the story that he's telling is more interesting. So even if it is completely inaccurate or whatever, like I'm totally invested in Rose and and uh, and Jack. I've got a couple of pop vinyls sitting right over here next to me, as a matter of fact. But, like, I'm not invested in any of the characters here just because their story isn't that interesting. But then switching gears and going to, like, that the, 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 the end of the movie, right? Yeah. The problem with it, to me, I mean, obviously there's a lot of problems, as, you know, has been discussed. But, like... From a from a storytelling standpoint, from a movie making standpoint, the problem to me is that you're doing a movie called Pearl Harbor, which is about what happened at Pearl Harbor, and yet you still are producing like this big blockbuster where the quote unquote good guys have to win, right? Yeah. So it's like you can't just have the movie end with Pearl Harbor because then America loses. Right. So it really felt like they were like, and now America wins. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I mean, doesn't that, isn't that what it feels like? That's, that's how it always felt to me. It was like, okay, well then, okay. So America one Pearl Harbor then, I guess, right? I mean, that's what, what the movie's saying. I don't know. It's it's just, it's bizarre. It's it's like it's there for no reason other than to have the good guys win. You know and what I mean? That, yeah, and that's because Michael Bay doesn't know when to lose. <laughs> like, <laughs> He's like Captain Kirk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't believe in the no-win scenario. 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, that's why that's... Uh, I, I'm sure he was like, there's no way in hell... No, I'm sure, no, let me rephrase. There's no fucking way I'm going to lose, okay? that that That's what Michael Bay said uh, uh, while making this movie, okay? <laughs> so yeah, he wanted that in there. And yeah, I'm sure James Cameron would have handled it a lot better. <laughs> would have been Would have been content... And just like the film ending, you know, on that day, you know, on Pearl Har- the, the attack on Pearl Harbor, and just ending on that on that note, you know, having, you know, not necessarily America win, but having a sense of like, yeah, we went we went through this shit, but we'll, you know, we will survive this, you know, right. adding more humanity into the story than Michael Bay, which. He did that. Like, he did that with Titanic, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, you'd have to write essentially, like, an entirely different story in order for that to work, like, dramatically. But that's what Cameron would have done. He would have told a completely different story. I, I imagine it would have been somewhat like what Nolan did in Tunkirk, you know, make it specific to the battle, focusing on characters during that battle, and playing it, you know, just on that day. You know, that would have been a better movie you know rather than than this just have it be three huge movies all jumbled together but but if they would have done that then you wouldn't have gotten the third consecutive movie with the uh female love interest sitting in a command center watching <laughs> as oh, the <God>. hero <laughs> saves the day right which uh. um I mean, to be fair, that's always the best part of these movies, right? Like Kate Beckinsale, uh, yeah, Kate, yeah, Kate Beckinsale, Liv Tyler, you know, Vanessa Marcel. Like they're always the best parts of this movie. But like, if they're the best part of this movie, then maybe you shouldn't just have them sitting around like a command center while all of the much less interesting guys save the day. I don't know. And, I mean, and this. <laughs> And, and and this little trope that he has going on now, the third movie in a row, it feels a lot more forced than the last two. Because, like, yeah, yeah uh, uh, Kate Beckinsale's character, like, she doesn't blackmail the guy. Like, she, she's just, like, really... She, yeah, because she saved his life during the attack on Pearl Harbor, right? Right. And he's like, she's like, hey, uh, let me into the command center so I can check out what my two boyfriends are up to. Yeah. And he's like, he's like okay. I mean... I don't even know what else to say about this. <laughs> it's, it's it's bad. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, no, it is. It's, uh, apologies you know, okay. to Armageddon. And I was saying that's yeah. a long movie. No, at least that movie's not like three years long. <laughs> I, again, I I I'm all for this movie on a technical level. It looks. It still looks pretty damn amazing yeah and yeah he got the most out of his budget which he complained in the commentary was too low of course <laughs> what the fuck yeah. how <laughs> i don't i don't know Diego. <laughs> but he he told janine he's like imagine uh what this movie would look like if it had more money the mo- the money like i was i wanted in the beginning whatever but yeah he, it, it looks impressive but yeah i don't know i i i, I didn't connect with the characters I could, give, I could give two shits about them. And I honestly, I swear, I saw the ending of this movie, but I can't for the life of me remember now how it ends. 
doesn't doesn't oh. one of them die? Yeah, right? I remember how it ends. It ends in the most convenient yeah. way it can possibly end, right? <laughs> they set up this like impossible scenario. They set up this Kobayashi Maru, and uh, <laughs> then they get themselves out of it in a, a very ridiculous way because she still gets to be with the guy that she really loves, but you know, have the kid with the guy who she didn't really love, who she could still fully commit to because it was the right thing to do, but doesn't have to spend the rest of her life with because he conveniently dies. It's the most convenient thing that could possibly happen. It's insane to me just (laughs) how it decides that is... A rational way to end a movie. <laughs> it's like, yeah, there you go. Yeah. One guy dies, and she still has his kid. Yeah, like, she's, with, she's, she's with her other boyfriend. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's it, it, it's insane. The, the, this whole story is just bananas. That th- this is how they wanted to tell this this tragic story. Exactly, uh, of Pearl Harbor. Yeah. But I, I I cannot wrap my mind around this. Uh, uh, two things. Let me let me say two things. So I can't remember if this was on or off mic in the last episode, Mike. But you had mentioned the commentary uh, with Janine, passenger, and you mentioned a moment where she was like, um, she said something, and Michael Bay was like, "Oh, get off my back, Janine." Uh. So that moment in the commentary is this. So in the in the in the Doolittle raid and in, in, in the bombing in the final act, Michael Bay for some reason. Uh, shows a shot of uh, women with parasols, uh, a, a gay shows with parasols, and Janine Janine is like, uh, Michael, why did you have that shot with the uh, with the the women in parasols? Like, she's basically saying we we know where this is, we know what country we're in right now. You don't need to have like these, you know, this uh, this this iconography. We get it. And Michael Bay's like, yeah, I know, Janine, it's a bad shot. Okay, it, it's I, I should not have put it in there. So she kind of she kind of just like, like like pokes him and prods him. He's like, leave me alone, Janine. All right, I got it. <laughs> so yeah, so. Michael Bay is easily perturbed. Um, I like the fact that she was calling him on this stuff. Though, yeah, right? I mean, no, yeah, no, like, like, like she, a good teacher would, right? Exactly. Yeah, she, yeah, she's, yeah. she's still still doing her job for him. Yeah, yeah. and and she she uh, she was very much into the opening romance, the first ninety minutes. She's like, oh yeah, this is nice and wholesome, and you know, uh, uh, it's more for the older crowd, and and uh, it's it's like a classic, you know, nineteen forties romance. So that's she was a fan of that but she remained pretty quiet during the the Port Harbor attack <laughs> um, okay then the second thing I'll say is uh, Michael Bates tells his story in the commentary about how um, a veteran came up to him and was mad at Bay for using uh, a US airship uh, and, and putting a Japanese flag on it and saying it was a Japanese airship uh, uh, that the veteran was like oh Michael Bay, that's totally disrespectful. You should not be doing that. Michael Bay's response is, well, sir, uh, this movie is important because it'll show your grandkids, their grandkids, uh, what it was like during Pearl Harbor. It's an important historical artifact. So that's why I'm doing it. Uh, and also, sir, you bombed all the Japanese uh, uh, ships, so we can't film any you know, today. So that's why we're doing it. And the, veteran, the veteran's response was like, all right. Good, good point. <laughs> go, go film history, Michael Bay. <laughs> Jesus. 
Yeah, so that's how important this this was, and maybe still is to Michael Bay, that he did something important for this generation, showing the record of what happened at Pearl Harbor. I have no doubt that at the time, at least, he thought that this was his best movie. I mean, does yeah, he still for think sure. that? I mean, I don't, I don't oh know. God, I can't imagine. <laughs> maybe his like, maybe his most quote unquote important work that he's done. Maybe he still uh, considers that. I, 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 I can see him thinking that. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, and I guess we should talk about this more next week, but like there is a thing about him getting a lot of money and being able to like do what he wants to do. Like as much as he can, well, well, we'll get into this next week. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A, a teaser for next yeah. week. Next week is next episode is going to be a fun one because yeah, I mentioned in the commentary, he was complaining that he always wanted to make an R rated movie. Mm. Um, which, which it he, wasn't he Bad did. Boys yeah he it, did I don't the, know why The Rock and Bad Boys were both rated R well I guess I misunderstood and he wanted to make Pearl Harbor an R rated movie okay. he just he just oh, always okay. want, he always wants to make an R rated movie apparently so mm. him getting more money and him you know sticking with that R rating uh, yeah uh, he definitely goes for it in the next movie but yeah Pearl Harbor uh, I th- I think that's enough of Pearl Harbor, right? I mean, we, oh, yeah. we, we've covered it. Yeah, uh, that, that's enough. <laughs> that might be the most it's... anyone ever talked about Pearl Harbor. <laughs> <laughs> we we talked plenty. Uh, so let's go to plugs, guys. Plugs. Uh, Diego, uh, what do you have to plug? Uh, the Waffle Press, my podcast, available on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, and now Spotify. Uh, and check out the other stuff. I. I pretty sure i'll be done with my batman retrospective check out the monthly hangout episodes they got going on with fun guests and whatnot i like it a lot oh also uh, twitter at the diego crespo yes um for those listening i think the last few episodes you were, were uh, telling us your old handle you just switched it so yes uh, that too yeah, ho- hopefully people aren't confused but yes follow the diego crespo mike hey what about you uh, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mumbles3K, and you can also find me on my website, FilmDamagePod.com, doing a show called Film Damage, where we talk about things like film stocks and stuff. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we've been kind of taking a break from that because we've been over on Trek.fm doing some audio commentaries for things like uh, Star Trek Discovery and the upcoming Star Trek Picard show. And uh, then, yeah, you can find me on thenerdparty.com doing a show called Retro Perspective, where we take a look at all of the movies released 25 years ago this week. Nice, nice. Um, As for me, talkfromsociety.com. Read us, listen to us, enjoy us. Go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash talkfromsociety. Got commentaries, got bonus episodes, I got a lot of stuff, so check it out. Uh, And that would be it. All right, next week is Bad Boys 2. Uh, Can't wait to talk about that. Can't wait to revisit that. And uh, yeah, Uh, does he have a commentary on that? I don't don't think so. I'll have to check one of my five copies. (laughs) (laughs) I know they had a sale uh, on the 4K disc, which I did not pick up. I feel bad about that. But I think the Blu-ray looks fantastic anyway, so I can't wait to rewatch it. Um, oh, now it's time for our signature catchphrase at the end of the show. <laughs> I will never remember what this is. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to. I'm sure. I'm sure I'll get to it when I say it. Here we go. Ready? Three, two, one. 
Hey, you forgot your, you boarding, forgot pass. your boarding pass. <laughs> okay, that's what it was. Yes, I knew it was yeah. something to do with flight. 